evening and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. It is Wednesday, May 10th, 2017. I hope you're having a great week. Here we are in New York City. We're fighting our way through the cool weather, trying to get our spring on before it gets to summer and becomes 85, 95 degrees in New York. And we, it's stagnant and smelly and everything else. But right now, the trees are in bloom. There's a cool breeze out there. The weather's only in like the 50s and low 60s, but we're inching our way through the spring and heading towards summer and hoping we're going to have a great year ahead. Um, You want to know the answer to everything? Well, I've got a special guest returning to our show this evening, Dr. Amit Goswami, PhD, and his new book is called The Everything Answer Book, How Quantum Science Explains Love death and the meaning of life and we're going to bring him on in a few moments first let's just check in do a quick review of what's going on in the world and tell you a little bit about what the whole guys guys movement is all about and then we will bring on dr goswami and i'm very excited to bring him on tonight by the way um he his basic premise is that quantum physics is not only the future of science but it's also the key to understanding consciousness Life, death, God, psychology, and the meaning of life. And I under, want to underline consciousness so it's, it, because it's such an important concept. I mean, consciousness is something that we all have as part of our overall selves, if you will. And Dr. Goswami will explain it to you a lot better than I will. But basically, if you can raise your consciousness, your vibration, your frequency, you can elevate so much of what is around you and your purview on the world And you can do that to help address past issues, future issues, because time, and I'm going to ask Dr. Goswami about it, is uh, it's not really linear. We experience time as linear, but it's not really linear. But consciousness is, is what it's really all about. And Dr. Goswami is an expert in that through his quantum viewpoint and lens. So we'll bring them out very shortly. Um, so just what's going on in the news, we've got our president Trump has fired the, uh, FBI chief who was investigating him. <laughs> and he's the third person who's been fired, who's part of the investigation. So we're going to see what happens with our country here, with our government, with our democracy, and, uh, see if the party lines will be broken down and we'll just get on with like, let's find out what happened with this Russia connection. Was there anything there or not? It's really this uh, presidency has caused so much stress with people. It's been very tough for uh, America, whether you voted for Trump or you didn't. It's just been so much stress this year on people that uh, uh, we've got to get past it. I don't know what the answer is, but I think people, uh, the one good thing that's coming out of it is everybody's paying very rapt attention to what kind of shenanigans the government is up to. And, uh, I think that consciousness raising that awareness is, uh, will turn out to be a good thing if everybody sees what's going on and takes the high road to, uh, make uh, much needed changes over the course of time. In, uh, other areas of, uh, the guys, guys world, if you will, we've got some fun things going on. The NBA playoffs are in full swing and we're just getting to the point where, We've got two uh, undefeated teams 
uh, one in the east, the Cavaliers, one in the west, the Warriors, and they seem to be heading towards the finals in each of their respective divisions. And then they may be playing against each other for the third time, which would be the rubber match for the NBA championship in basketball. And it would be a tremendous series. I think people are looking forward to that. And the games, the playoff games have been really good. You know, a lot of people uh, poo-poo the NBA and uh, the NBA games during the season. It's understandable. It's a long, grueling season, though. But when you get to the playoffs, you really see some great games. There's some really good teams and some really big stars in the NBA. So I hope you're enjoying that. Baseball's in full swing. Hey, up here in New York City, and I live uptown, we've got our New York Yankees. Uh, right now, I believe they have the best record in baseball. Everybody counted them out. It was all about the Mets here in New York and Guess what? The Yankees, the young baby bombers, as they're being called, are in first place right now. So we'll see if they can hold up. Usually with baseball, there's 160 plus games during the regular season. It's all about pitching. And I don't know if the Yankees have to carry them into the playoffs. But you know what? They'll be fun to watch this year. So far, they scored a lot of runs and the kids are doing well. Gary Sanchez and Adam Judge and They've got another kid, I think, Greg Bird, who's not playing well, but he should come along. Uh, Sterling Castro, Didi Gregarious. They've got a lot of kids who uh, are playing pretty well. So let's see what happens with them. This weekend, we've got Mother's Day, and I hope everybody's going to reach out to their mom. Visit your mom if you can. My mom is uh, 87. Um, She had a fall about uh, two and a half weeks ago, and unfortunately, she... uh, had a fracture of her hip, as what frequently happens with older people, and uh, she had to get partial uh, a partial hip replacement. So she's she's uh, recovering at home. And we wish her well and we love her. And I'm going to see her this Sunday. I bring along my wife and my young son, who just turned four yesterday. Uh, and wow, uh, four years has gone really fast. I didn't realize that so much time that you spend parenting is spent picking things up after your kid. But it's so rewarding to see how a kid uh, evolves and grows and starts to learn and the things they recall. And they know so much more than they, than, than they talk about, than they verbalize. Uh, and uh, kids are really smart. They just need more time to kind of formulate their thinking and their processing of how the world works. And a lot of times they still do stuff that seems like, well, I asked you to do this and you did that. And they just do what they do anyhow. And they don't know why. Uh, it takes a while for that uh, consciousness, if you will, to uh, to uh, uh, get them centered. But uh, looking forward to more and more great times with my son. Um, the other thing is uh, I'm on Facebook. So let's talk about the Guys Guys brand a little bit. So the whole Guys Guys movement started with my novel, The Guys Guys Guide to Love. You can find the book. It's about advertising, two guys in advertising, competing for love, sex, power, and money. It's kind of like we would call a male sex in the city. It's gotten great reviews. You can find the book on Amazon, all the e-tailers, and uh, you can find it in some bookstores. Um, and it's really about love. Now, because uh, a lot of people, because of the title, think it's a uh, dating guide, uh, it is about relationships. It is about dating. It is about trying to bridge the communication chasm between men and women. Um, we've kind of built this movement, uh, uh, the guys, guys, where when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins better men, better world. So I, uh, I have a, uh, radio podcast that you're listening to right now called guys, guys radio. We are on block talk radio. We're on iTunes. We're on stitcher. We're on TuneIn radio. 
You can help out by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes. That would be huge. We just surpassed 76,000 listens, and so we're doing great. We'll continue to grow and keep uh, steady momentum in building our audience. So thank you. And I really love doing the show, and I love all the learning I've gotten from my guests. Um, We're also um, on YouTube, Robert Manny Author, Twitter at Robert Manny, Facebook, Robert Manny Author. And uh, my website, where I do a weekly blog, is robertmanny.com. Now, uh, as part of our show, uh, every week I get into what we call a segment called uh, The Guy's Guy's Guy. And I usually highlight what the weekly blog is going to be all about. So this week, and I'm going to do this towards the end of the show after our guest has been on, and it's going to be called The Guy's Guy's Guide to Slowing Down because, as you know, our world is so fast-paced and there's not enough time to work and eat and sleep and, you know, people eat at their desks now and everything is so jam-packed that we really need to slow down to enjoy life and really, uh, you know, keep our health. So I'll be uh, talking about that after we speak with our guest, Dr. Gus Wami. Um and I want to thank everybody for being part of our whole Guys Guys movement. I want to mention one thing about Facebook. Um, you know, on my author page, I guess got a notice that uh, uh, I'm not in the news feed for the next uh, about five or six days. They didn't give me any reason. I appealed it. I haven't heard back. I wonder if that's ha- happened to anybody, uh, anybody that you know. I do a daily meme every day on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, this one was about, um, you know, switching off uh, from uh, eliminating salt in your diet unless it's pink Himalayan. And uh, I don't think that was a trigger for anything because pink Himalayan salt is uh, very healthy for you. So anyhow, we'll see what happens with that. And um, as I mentioned, we're going to get into our guys, guys guide a little later in the show, and we're going to bring out our guests momentarily. So let's take a very quick break. And then we will bring on our guest, Dr. Amit Goswami in a few moments. Welcome back, everybody. And now it's time, as I promised, to bring back our special guest, to bring out our special guest, Dr. Amit Daswami. His uh, book is called The Everything Answer Book, How Quantum Science Explains Love, Death, and the Meaning of Life. And he is a retired full professor from the University of Oregon's Department of Physics, where he served for many years. And he's a pioneer of the new paradigm of science called Science Within Consciousness. It's an idea he explained explicated in his seminal book, The Self-Aware Universe. He has written many books, The Visionary Window, The Physics of the Soul, The Quantum Doctor, uh, The Creative Evolution, God is Not Dead, Quantum Creativity, Think Quantum, Be Creative, Quantum Economics, Unleashing the Power of Economics of Consciousness, and he's appeared in the film, What the Bleep Do We Know, uh, and a sequel, Down a Rabbit Hole, and he's just an amazing guy. And I want to say one thing before I bring him out. I had a bout with... uh, I had a growth on each one of my kidneys uh, very early. Unfortunately, I got a caught. I was out for a run. I had unbearable pain. I had a uh, CT scan and they said, oh, you've actually, you have a kidney stone, which ended up disappearing on its own. And then um, I had robotic surgery. And I had mentioned that to Dr. Guswami. And uh, I said, you know, the doctors told me 98% chance I'll never have to deal with that again. And he said, wait a minute you know, there's different parts of your body. There's the, uh, you know, it's not just the physical body. There's the emotional body and other parts of your body. And I want you to take a look at the place called the uh, New York Center for Innovative Medicine. So I met Dr. Uh, Schultz there 
uh, this year, early this year. It took me a while to get there and get an appointment, um, but um, they tested my blood and they said, you know what, you're uh, basically I wasn't draining out my uh, poisons out of my body fast enough. And um, they put me on a program of uh, various things like uh, ACMOS energy balancing, balancing therapy, biomagnetic therapy, bi- biocharger, which is a hybrid subtle energy revitalization, revitalization platform, ultraviolet blood irradiation, ir- ir- radiation therapy, neural therapy, um, and also uh, air, air and energy oxygen therapy and also working with uh, magnets, uh, biomagnetic therapy. And it was fascinating. I got a whole bunch of supplements to take also. I'm just finishing up. They did some further testing on me. They said, you know, your toxicity or your body has actually been cut in half. And your uh, an area down where I had my surgery was kind of, they said, it's kind of like a blown fuse, but we've got that back. They also uh, got into my system and identified areas in my body where emotional uh, stress had occurred and had, had kind of dug itself into various organs at different years. They were actually able to identify uh, what organ, what the emotion was and what the year was. And through um, using what's called a lector, kind of like a wand that measures your uh, frequency, as well as some magnets, they managed to uh, address all of those. And they said my results were phenomenal. And I'm very pleased, and I wanted to start out with that because we're going to get into medicine, but I wanted to thank Dr. Goswami for it because although it cost me a couple of bucks to do this, I have a lot of uh, peace of mind as well as I feel better than ever. It's amazing. I went out for a couple of runs. I hadn't run in about four months. I've been doing the elliptical trainer in the gym downstairs in my building, so I was wondering, like, geez, you know, can I get back? Can I just go out and do a six-mile run, all hills in Central Park? I zipped through it. I didn't even feel it. And when I'm doing the elliptical training and everything else, I have more energy than I, I've had in years. And, uh, and I'm a boomer. So just amazing. So uh, I'm continuing with the uh, diet uh, guidelines they gave me. I continue to take the supplements. And I want to bring Dr. Goswami on right now and thank him. So here he is. Good evening, Dr. Goswami. How are you? I'm good. Hi, Robert. I'm so delighted that you got the results. That's fantastic. Yeah, and it was, uh, I wouldn't have done it without you, and I learned so much, and I have still so much to learn. But, um, you know, uh, you, were, you were right, and uh, wow, I thought I was doing so great. And they said, you know what? You're pretty toxic, dude, so, you know, you really need to do some of these uh, procedures. And I was like, okay, and it was fascinating. I learned so much. And I follow the protocols, Good. and I feel fantastic. So it's really Ayurvedic medicine, I guess you would call it, right? Yeah, I'm so delighted that you are getting results. That's wonderful. Yes. Yeah, more people should be aware of what um, the new science is teaching us, that uh, we have indeed five bodies in consciousness, and the more we are taking care of each of our bodies, like you did, the physical, the allopathic uh, treatments do okay, you know, surgery is good. But then the vital, uh, these things crucially depend on cleaning up the toxicity. What the physical body physicians don't uh, get is that 
the if the there is too much toxicity in the body, the vital cannot connect to the physical, and mm-hmm. um, uh, so the toxicity has to be cleaned up before the vital can vitality comes back. And I'm so glad that uh, your main thing that you reported in. Uh, you know, you repeatedly mentioned that how vital you feel, how alive you feel, and that is, of course, the uh, correct uh, description of what you are experiencing. Yeah, because I think what what uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, and then we'll get into your book in a moment. And this is part, of, you know, this about diseases in your book. But basically, um, I, it seemed, you know, when I was uh, the last time I saw my surgeon, he said, you know. You, you're great. Your, your functionality for your kidneys is better than it was before we worked on you. And uh, in case anything else uh, happens, we'll, uh, you know, I'll let you know. If we see anything else, you'll, we'll come in and we'll, we'll I'll let you know what we'll do. And I thought, hmm. And I said, well, what causes this? And he said, well, it's like sporadic. And that got me thinking and saying, you know what? Nothing is sporadic. Something happened. There's always a cause. And I think what, um, the Ayurvedic medicine uh, gets this and the procedures I went through get to the, it's causal and it's cellular and they get beyond just, you know, with Western medicine, they're so advanced, things like robotic surgery, unbelievable, but that's after the fact. And they don't give you any really um, guidelines as to what you should do going forward as preventative. And you really have to take your health in this country. You really have to take your health, uh, the burden of health on, on your own on your own shoulders. And so when I went to uh, innovative yeah. medicine, they really got down to, they said, this is what's happening with your vibration. What, here's where it's off. Here's how we address it. They explained everything to me. Um, and then they got down to the emotional issues uh, and as well as um, uh, my frequency. Um, they, the way they test their blood is very different than traditional testing. And they told me about, you know, you have this pathogen in your body and this pathogen, and they, they, they took blood out. They oxidized it. They gave, I was laying in front of a biocharger. And I got to tell you, I'm not making this up, and I'm going to be blogging about this. I feel amazing. You know, maybe it's because mm-hmm. my diet's so good and everything, but I got to tell you, I really feel great. And uh, I think uh, one of the things I learned, and Dr. Schultz told me this, I said, will this work? He said, do you believe it'll work? I said, I do. He said, then you have a really good chance for things working. And he, they measured my body. They said, you know, here's your chronological age, and here's the age of what your body really is, which was a few years younger. And they said, you know, we can take that down a lot further, too, because uh, you have the right attitude and uh, you're actually yeah. in good shape. So I'm so pleased. I want to thank you personally on air uh, for, you know, recommending me. And um, just uh, the, the education I've gotten from it, and um, the fact that the way of approaching things through uh, consciousness really has made such a difference. So maybe we should use that as a jumping off point to your, uh, your latest book. It's kind of a, an agglomation of a, a lot of your other books, the Everything Answer Book. And if I think if you had yeah. one book by you, doctor, this would be it. And it really is, to me, it's based around consciousness. So for the benefit of our audience, for our guys, guys audience, where I try to keep things in the layman, layman level, even though we have a very smart audience, could you explain to us what, how you would define consciousness? Well, um, consciousness is the ground of being. Uh, quantum physics allows us to define consciousness in that way. And uh, then uh, how do our experiences of objects come from? 
uh, it comes from the possibilities of consciousness itself. So the, the uh, ground of being has the possibility of both being a subject and being an object. And so when these possibilities, uh, we use the word collapse. Um, it's a little unfortunate choice of word, but you know, history sometimes uh, is preserved. So originally people called a uh, act of measurement or observation collapse of the possibility into actuality. So we still use the same word collapse. More appropriately, it would have been change of possibility into actuality or transformation of possibility into actuality. But be it as it may, we use the word collapse. So these possibilities, um, when the possibilities collapse, consciousness identifies with our brain and we become the subject self of the brain and the um, rest of the world appears as object to that consciousness, to that self. So um, the subject-object split is the contribution of quantum physics. Without quantum physics and quantum measurement, uh, the idea of how a measurement occurs from possibility into actuality, we could never figure out. This is the one problem that the scientific materialist theorists can never figure out, can never give any um, elucidation of how the subject can arise. So they have no choice but to trivialize the subject. But if you trivialize the human subject, human subject is just a machine. So it loses all the things that you experience. Um, it's, uh, like in your case, take your case. You healed yourself. If the, uh, the alternative medicine doctor helped you, so certainly helped you. Mm -hmm. But yes. you healed yourself. It, it is you who participated. And that participation, yeah, that intention is everything. And um, so that, that power to intend, that has causal power. And that is what the scientific materialists ignore or neglect. But if you do, then you are stuck with just uh, allopathy. No, then you are stuck with living with just pleasure. You miss out all the happiness that uh, potentialities can bring you. And this is what I say in the book. Meaning of life, we materialist guys completely miss. They more and more they say there is no meaning, uh, existentialism. No, there is meaning. And we don't mm -hmm. have to listen to existentialism, that we just exist. There's no meaning. No, it's not like that. There is meaning. And quantum physics allows you to unveil your particular meaning and shows you how to do it, how to engage with that uh, creatively. Creative process is now part of our paraphernalia of new discoveries. So it's fantastic things are happening. I just want every listener to wake up to that. Mm -hmm. So quantum, really, quantum physics is really, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but it's, like, it's about possibilities that, that, you know, the way the kind of the small self, we define things in a certain way based, by, based on kind of a collective uh, consciousness and definition of things. But in a quantum field, everything is more about possibilities. And let me uh, mention an example yeah. of that. And then you, then you can tell me how I'm wrong or how I misstated this. But if you look at time, uh, the way we define time is in a linear fashion, like 24 hours in a day and 30 days in a month or whatever. And the way uh, our culture, how we look at time is kind of horizontally. And really, uh, I guess if you're in the quantum area, time is all 
everything is occurring at the same time with multiple possibilities based on dimensions. Is that accurate? Am I getting that right? Mm-hmm. That is that is accurate, and because of that, if we live our life in a slow down fashion, then uh, we don't age very fast. You know why? Because we uh, waste time only during the time that we are aware and in the do phase, we think or we feel or we sense. Most people just sense the outside world, but people also think and feel and um, any of these experiences, that's when time happens. If you slow down and not experience so much, in between, you're just doing nothing, just uh, relax. That's what we say, relax. And relax means time is not elapsing. Time is not moving anymore. You are timeless. You are in your unconscious. So the way that yogis live longer, and they do, this is not a joke, Mm -hmm. yogis live longer. There is just enormous evidence that yogis routinely live 120, 150 years or so. And then uh, how do they do that? The whole mystery is to slow down so that in between thoughts, in between experience, you have a lot of time that you are not living. You are Mm -hmm. just relaxing. You are in your unconscious and time disappears. Mm -hmm. You know, it's fascinating. Actually, I was writing, I blogged about um, slowing down, the importance of slowing down. So it's interesting that you brought that up. And I, I always choose a guy's guy of the week. And I picked the Trailanga, a yogi who reportedly lived to the ripe old age of 280 yeah. by slowing down his metabolism. And I don't know if he is, this is the gentleman, but I'm, isn't there one yogi who supposedly lives under the Ganges River and he comes out every so often? Yeah, Trailanga Swami is the most famous yogi. He probably lived to two to 300 years. Nobody can uh-huh. estimate. But people always were amazed. Uh, you know, people of ancient times uh, seem to know him because they have written about him. And people of relatively modern times also knew him. So he must have lived something like 300 years. And towards the end of his life, he just lived in the Ganges. He did so did. That's fantastic. So, you know, he, that, that is an amazing personality. The best story I have heard about him, this is legend, so you don't have to really, mm-hmm. um, you know. But, but the story is that Tony um, Swami was a truly an enlightened person, so he did not live by uh, social rules. So one day he is lying down on the grass, and his feet are on a Shiva Linga. You know, Hindus worship uh, Shiva Linga, which means Shiva's penis, but it's not, uh, it's not uh, worshipped in that sense, but in the sense <laughs> of the creativity. Um, so um, it's a sacred thing, though. And the social custom is never put your feet on something that is sacred. Hindus just don't do that. But mm-hmm. Tarlan Swami, of course, being Tarlan Swami, he has his feet on the Shiva Linga, and the guy comes and says, you really are losing it. You are totally mad. You are doing something that just is absolute blasphemy. You cannot do that. You cannot put your feet on this. So he forcefully put the Swami's feet on the grass. And lo and behold, a lingam stretched out from the grass. The Swami's foot uh, just under it, a new lingam grew. Amazing. 
So that's <laughs> a story that the, the <laughs> Swami just cannot go wrong. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, let's, uh, yeah. let's talk about you, you, you coined the term kind of quantum activism. That's kind of really, you know, one of the things that you developed. Could you talk to us a little bit about what actually quantum activism is? Well, um, here is my own experience. You know, in 1999, uh, Dalai Lama invited some 30 of our scientists from America uh, to go and meet him to talk about the new paradigm, excitement, all that going on. You know, Dalai Lama has been a big supporter of quantum physics for a long time. Um, he has demonstrated that without quantum physics, we couldn't possibly, possibly understand uh, how the world is, as well as how spirituality happens and all this. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Um, so he invited us, and he wanted us to um, do social uh, applications of the new paradigm. So I took that to heart. But then I uh, saw the problem. I saw the problem for the first time probably so vividly because uh, I wanted to change the world, and I noticed that I also am very much uh, suffering from the same problems that the world is suffering. I have negative emotions. Mm-hmm. I manipulate people in my life, my close relationships, into uh, uh, making me happy more than I spend time to make them happy. So I'm also looking after for me that uh, me-centeredness that we call transaction. I do things that same way. And, of course, I also am not as much, uh, but still, I also, you know, like my pleasure items. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, this will not do. Uh, I have to transform first. So I engaged into the creative process, uh, directed inside to make transformation, uh, if that is possible. It took some while, took a while, took a long while, actually, quite a few years. But, you know, it happens. The creative process is now clear. We know the creative process. That uh, slowing down gives us uh, being. In that being, if you compound your doing with being again and again, do, be, do, be, do, that's the process Mm -hmm. that I discovered. And Mm -hmm. it works because the the be phase, consciousness works for you in the form of the unconscious. This is the single mystery of creativity. You have to work hard in the preparation phase. But then you relax and you let consciousness work for you in the unconscious processing. And Mm -hmm. it works miracles. Problems can be solved. So I had a huge problem, you know, with love, how to love my wife unconditionally. And I came out of it. I was amazed, you know. I don't manipulate anymore. I don't love her unconditionally and all this. This is, it happened to me. (laughs) It was just unbelievable. Fantastic. So I now uh, preach that, yes, uh, it can be done, and you can do it because we know the process. We know the ground of being is consciousness experimentally. You have absolutely nothing to worry. You Mm -hmm. can change. Don't believe people who say the human condition is unchangeable. It's only unchangeable if your belief system is materialist. It's not unchangeable if you shift your belief system to quantum worldview our spiritual and materialism combined. Mm-hmm. I uh, wholeheartedly agree. Speaking of that, Dr. Goswami, let's talk a little bit about um, your thoughts on alignment, because part of the doobie doobie do that you have uh, so uh, 
well defined is uh, is the being. And um, if it, 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 my understanding is that if you you know you work really hard, but you also need to be in alignment, um, intention, but also in alignment with the with the highest vibration that your field can hold, highest frequency that you can hold. Because yeah, if you you get in the right frequency, then everything else uh, that you see gets redefined through a higher level of consciousness. I know that might be a lot for some of our yeah, The alignment folks. is very important. Mm-hmm. How does that work? How, do, how can uh, people... What, uh, we, we... Go ahead. No, no. I was, I'm, I'm tossing it over to you, doctor. How, how can people get in alignment so they can uh, have their frequency raised and be in the right state of consciousness that they don't have to work so hard? No, we, we don't particularly worry about it. Um, what we do is begin with an intuition and an intention mm-hmm. that um, I will put my intention in alignment with the whole because we don't really know what the purpose of the whole is. We have only one thing to guide us. The intuition gives us the archetype that we should follow to uh, find our path towards that unity, unity consciousness, that oneness. So um, that's what with which we have to be aligned. So you can call it uh, trying for a high frequency, um, just a metaphor, but it is a useful metaphor. Mm-hmm. So we become tuned, though, in a gradual way. My experience was that you could not be in tune initially, because initially the transactional mind still intervenes. But as you go on discovering, engaging in the process and discovering first little ideas, little leaps, little quantum leaps, mm-hmm. uh, you find your way to become more and more aligned to the movement of consciousness um, in your uh, language, uh, higher and higher frequency. And then, then you just you fall into that exact alignment where, you know, we, I just told the story of Pralang Swami, that was with a little bit of design. Uh, then one says that the, the that your mind, your consciousness is so much in tune that whatever your wounds is, that happens. So that's when that's when a person uh, around a person miracles happen. Um, that's where Jesus was, and this is where Buddha was, and all these great people, you know, around them, lots of miracles people report, especially. Mm-hmm. And how can that happen? Because um, whatever their intention is, it will come true. So they're not doing anything, but they're so much in tune that their intention is the movement of consciousness. Okay. Uh, well stated, as always. Um, you also, I'm trying to come up with some, uh, uh, lead the discussion towards ways, uh, you know, to keep it so things that our listeners can do practically in their lives to uh, work on their consciousness and um, without having to do a lot of work. So you mentioned the importance of dreaming and lucid dreaming in the new book. Could you talk to us a little bit about uh, the importance of dreaming and what lucid dreaming is and how people can work with dreams in terms of improving their day-to-day lives? I'd be happy to, because this is a favorite subject of me because, you know, initially when I was um, beginning, I mm-hmm. indeed had a lot of baggage, like um, everybody does, you know. 
And um, I, whenever I was in my unconscious, in sleep, uh, the mind would pick up this baggage. And uh, so the dreams reflect our baggage. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't know that. So, you know, so I was working with this teacher, and the teacher pointed out that, yeah, the dreams are very important. They're, uh, they're telling you. So I started paying attention, and immediately I noticed just paying that attention changed my dreams into dreams of toilet. I just, every night I saw going to toilet or somebody going to toilet or somebody trading on shit or, you know, something like that. And I realized, oh, this is what I have to do. I have to clean up all this. That is why I'm dreaming these things. So I started cleaning me up, cleaning my psyche up with all this mm-hmm. stuff, with the baggage that we carry from mostly childhood problems, but also adult problems. You know, we manipulate and transact and always uh, taking care of numero uno. These things produce huge shadow. That's another name. Uh, that union psychologist gets, and that is also very appropriate. So until the shadow is cleaned, um, nothing much can happen in the creative direction. Uh, that unconscious self that I was uh, telling before, uh, that do be, do be, do, the B phase gives mm-hmm. us unconscious self, but the, if the uh, unconscious is unclean, uh, the help cannot do anything because uh, you are always preoccupied with your unconscious problems. So, you know, all that had to be cleared up. And when it did, just one day, that's it. There was no more toilet drinks. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. It just stopped because I consciously did what needed to be. And then I now, went did, through other phases, and again, dreams helped me. There was flying dreams, like was very helpful. And then started uh, coming archetypal dreams. And that was inspirational. So dreams all the way have helped me find my way. The other thing that has helped me find my way is uh, synchronicity. That's a concept that Carl Jung introduced, mm-hmm. meaningful coincidences. When something physical happens, but to attract your attention to a simultaneous mental meaning that comes clear to you. Here you were struggling, and then all of a sudden you see this peculiar thing, physical thing happening around you, and that attracts your attention to something that is crucial for you to um, grasp the meaning. And when you do, like in my case, again, it, it was in the form of a dream. So I am, you know, people are telling me all around, uh, different messengers, but the same message, but I'm not quite getting it, which is that pay attention to reincarnation. What happens after people die? Pay attention to it. Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not very serious because uh, physicists, you know, what do they, do they have to do with death and dying and all this? So I didn't want to do it. But then the dream comes, and the dream says that uh, Tibetan Book of the Dead is correct. It's your job to prove it. Mm-hmm. And when you hear such an admonition in a dream, lucid dream, yep. then you cannot ignore it. So I started paying attention, and that led to the huge discovery of uh, uh, science of experience. Let's let's talk a little bit about. Let's continue that with uh, the death and dying, where so many people in our Western culture, um, they are, their consciousness is very much set in separatism 
where they think, you know, there's a guy uh, with a big beard in the sky and uh, they're not sure or they're not sure what happens when they die. But most Westerners don't think about recycling of the soul or the fact that their soul is part of divinity and that they just keep going that, you know, the physical body, you know, over time is going to use itself up. And then after that, you know, it's your soul that keeps going. What, what do you, what's your advice for uh, people uh, to learn to kind of um, be more comfortable with the concept of physical death uh, and that the fact that that's not really the end? Yes, this is a very important concept. I'm, I'm glad that you brought it up in spite of the fact that it is a bit controversial still after tremendous amount of data in favor of the idea of reincarnation. But the Easterners have been clear for a very long time. And you know what? Before the 5th century, 5th century AD, uh, the religion mm-hmm. of Christianity had reincarnation as one of its basic actions. In the 5th century AD, the two factions of Christianity broke up. The Gnostic fraction continued with the idea of reincarnation. They were more interested toward transformation. The other one was more interested in power. So they sided with the dictum that the emperor, um, he was the one who called the meeting. That big meeting happened in um, Istanbul, I guess, uh, Constantinople. That's what it was called at the time. And that changed Christianity a lot. And that is when uh, the idea of reincarnation was replaced by the idea of purgatory. So instead mm-hmm. of the soul going into and reincarnating into another body, the idea was that soul um, takes a break and waiting period before the soul is perfected. But how is the soul perfected? Just by waiting. So again, <laughs> they are not thinking because the soul can be perfected only by coming down to earth and working on the stuff. Uh, soul in transition uh, has no experience. So all these things were Uh sort of shoved under the rug, and this is why Westerners developed prejudice against the idea of reincarnation. Quantum physics brings it back for the very simple reason. We have two domains of reality. That concept comes back in quantum physics because we have this idea of possibility and actuality. So possibility is unconscious, um, and actuality is conscious in space and time. And in the unconscious, um, we have um, oneness. That oneness we call quantum, in quantum physics, we have a special name for it. It's called non-locality. Every domain mm-hmm. where communication is instantaneous because everything is one, connected. And so here, um, if you have uh, the concept of non-locality, then another way of uh, memorizing is to be part of that non-local domain. So we find that when we learn something, there is memory, of course, in the brain. That memory is about the learning episode. But how we learn, the learning capacity, that capacity is not stored in the brain. Instead, it's stored non-locally, outside of space and time, in the domain of potentiality. Timeless. Mm-hmm. So this is why, if it is timeless, then it can be part of experience of anybody in the whole chain of reincarnations that you may have. So we have been born before and will be born again. And what defines our own reincarnational chain of pearls 
it is defined by our sharing of all these propensities that we develop in our various incarnations. So a future being, a future human being, if he or she uh, shares propensities that I have developed, then uh, that could be called my reincarnation. So the idea is very simple, but it comes back, it's very scientific, and we have verified the scientific part of the idea. Okay. Very powerful idea to remove the fear of death, by the way. Absolutely. Um, I have one more question for you, Dr. Goswami, and it's an important one, um, because you say, if only a small number of people transform, the whole humanity can. And I know that has to do with consciousness, and everything that I've read and studied says, you know, if you can uh, elevate your consciousness, if you will, you can impact many people. So in other words, if 75 people got together and they meditated on world peace, they would impact maybe 20,000 people or whatever. So, you know, individuals on their own have a lot more power than they think they do. So I want everybody in the audience to really listen to you on this because a lot of times people in our society feel that they're helpless, that there's nothing that they can do. But there is a lot they can do, and it all starts with consciousness. Could you help us out with that, Doctor? Well, this is a, this is a tough one because there is no theory yet which absolutely convinces. it. In that sense, I mm-hmm. cannot vouch for it completely. But okay. with that caveat, uh, Dupat Sheldrake has talked to, us, talked to us about ideas, uh, how it might work, and he thinks it's uh, partly Lamarckian uh, evolution instead of evolution through genetic changes. Maybe it's evolution through uh, acquired characteristics. We learn something, and the learning uh, goes uh, to the future uh, humanity through morphogenetic field. This is similar to the idea of reincarnation that I just told you, the non-local memory. So indeed, mm-hmm. quantum physics supports this idea. Non-local memory we do, and therefore this non-local memory can be propagated in the future. And then if it can be propagated in the future, the additional idea that we need is that we develop this non-local memory in a tribal consciousness, in a non-local connection with a lot of people who are part of that actualized non-oneness. Uh, what that, what that, that happens if we and others, you know, the people, the threshold that you want to build, all of that if we work together in a community. So we are very keen on building the concept of homo communis, community human being not only human being would be part of that selfish being, the transactional mm-hmm. being, but also human being would become transformed to a community consciousness and work together and develop this um, memory of good stuff, memory that builds positive emotional brain circuit. Then in the future, um, people will be born with a love circuit in their brain, although they have not worked for it, in their lifetime, but previous ancestors, um, us, then we have worked for him or her already. So can this happen? Yes, it can happen. I think it's a powerful enough mechanism uh, enunciated in this way. I'm still working on it to further <laughs> the refinement can be given, but that's the, that's the natural of it. Um, there's one little verification, which is that uh, Sheldrake thinks the, the instincts, animal instincts that we inherit, the negative emotional brain circuits themselves, must have been created this way. 
I agree with him. And the quantum theory that I have built supports it and gives a better mechanism indeed. So it's a, it's a believable mechanism. It, there is a little bit of data, but still, you know, it, we need more data and more work on it. Mm-hmm. But I am very hopeful that it does. The result is correct. We All we need is a threshold. Fantastic. Well, listen, I think your new book is uh, the best one yet. It's called The Everything Answer Book, How Quantum Science Explains Love, Death, and the Meaning of Life. Our special guest on Guys Guys Radio has been Dr. Amit Goswami, Ph.D. It's the third time you've been on the show. Uh, I'm, I've learned so much from you, and you helped me out, so I want to thank you for being on Guys Guys Radio and also just for being a great guy and uh, for pointing me in the right direction with my uh, – you know, to manage my health. So thanks for that. And could you please, Dr. Goswami, tell everybody where they can find more about you and your book, social media, all that kind of stuff? Yes, absolutely. So my um, website is amitgoswami.org, A-M-I-T-G-O-S-W-A-M-I.org. If you go to the website, please look up uh, the new series of um, video series that I'm teaching on quantum living and quantum enlightenment under the auspices of Glidewing Corporation. Glidewing, G-L-I-D-E-W-I-N-G. This is a wonderful series and will take you to the heart of what Everything Answer Book uh, summarizes is about. But in in a much more practical way, it will show you practices. So I hope that some of you will actually uh, enroll in the video course, and I'll meet you there because I interact with students. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Robert. I'm so delighted with your results. Well, thank you, sir. And uh, it's always great to have you on the show, and I, I look forward to your next book. Uh, I highly recommend the Everything Answer book to all of our listeners. And uh, God bless you. I really appreciate your help. Thank you, Dr. Goswami. Thank, thank you again. Okay. That's our, our special guest for this evening has been Dr. Amit Goswami. Um, as I mentioned to you, uh, the way we've structured the show now is uh, we uh, have our special guest. I do my intro. We have our special guest, and uh, then we're going to do the Guys, Guys, Guides segment, and it ties right into what Dr. Goswami was talking about, the importance of slowing down, particularly in our crazy, frenetic, fast-paced, hyper-paced world. So, What we're going to do is take a very, very quick break. We're going to be right back, and we will get to the guys, guys, guys. So hang on there for one minute. Okay, we're back to Guys, Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny. Um, As I mentioned to you, uh, we do a little segment every week called the Guys, Guys, Guide. So this week's Guys, Guys, Guide is about slowing down. I'll be blogging on my website. It'll come out later this week. But let me just give you a a kind of a top line. It's about the fact that things move so quickly in our world. And a lot of times we don't even have time to to enjoy the fruits, fruits of our labor. We get overbooked. There's just too much to do. There's not enough time. There's so much pressure. More and more people. I remember when I first started out in business, we would go out when I used to wear a suit all the time. We'd go out to lunch every day. You'd at least buy your lunch and go outside and eat it and then come take a walk around the block or whatever, come back to the office. Nowadays, so many millennials, they're strapped in to their desk. They're on the screen all day. Maybe they get food delivered 
or they grab a salad and they sit at their desk and they eat while they're working. And that's just the way it is. Um, everything is done digitally. You know, it's not so much phone calls. It's not even emails. Everything's texting and uh, messaging. And it's just a faster paced world. Just this how it is. So what can we do? Well, we've got to find ways to slow down for our health, for our well-being, uh, and just to enjoy life. So here's a couple of suggestions. And you got to fold it into your lifestyle as best you can. One is unplug. Plug. You know, you've, everybody's on online all the time. And even, you know, you go on the subway, you get on the bus, everybody walk down the street, everybody's still plugged in. They've got earbuds in. You know, it's interesting to me where... So many people come to New York City for the experience, yet they spend half the time tuned out. They, they have their earbuds in. They're playing a video game. They're, they're not really soaking in everything that's all around them, and they're not that open for uh, uh, communication with other people. So when you can, it's a good idea to kind of unplug. And uh, one of the other reasons about unplugging is important is to get more sleep. You know, it's studies show that millennials actually 80 to 85 percent of them sleep with their phone either in their bed or right next to their bed. And the first last thing they do at night, the first thing they do when they wake up. And uh, it's easy to get into that habit. I've gotten into that habit myself, but I make sure I put my phone far enough away from me that I don't have to deal with it. And uh, you need more sleep. And we get up too early. We stay up too late. So try this for a week or two. Go to bed an hour earlier, shut your phone off, and don't watch TV in the bedroom. Just make your sleeping quarters for sleeping, and that's it. And you'll be refreshed, and you'll feel a lot better. Give it a shot. Um, another thing you can do is walking, take the stairs, going for a jog, whatever. Keep moving. I know keep moving and slowing down sounds like it's a contradiction, but it's not. Um, we're so used to getting on public transportation or jumping in our car or taking the escalator or taking the subway. You know what? You can walk and move, move around, particularly in New York City. If I'm within 10 blocks of something, I always walk and I get to see the city. I get to clear my head. I get to may have my metabolism getting into a rhythm and I, actually it clears my head. So I have found that walking uh, really helps out a lot. And also, you know, if you like to run, going for a good, long, slow run is really good for your conditioning as well as helping you think things through. I have solved so many problems by uh, running in Central Park or on the boardwalk down the Jersey Shore. In fact, I mapped out and solved every plot problem I had for my novel, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love, while running. It really helped me break up the novel into pieces and then coalesce it back together at the end of the run. And each time I would ha get to a new chapter and I'd have to figure things out, uh, plot points, because the book does, uh, has a multi-layered plot, I'd go out for a run, it would kind of compartmentalize itself and fragment itself, and then I would think it all through and then put it back together again. And it really worked out, and that's because I had gotten my mind to a quiet space. Speaking of which, meditation. Meditation is so important, whether you do yoga or you take a cardio class or anything you can do to slow your mind down. I like to meditate, even if it's for a few minutes a day, even if it's just saying some affirmations, find the time to quiet down your mind. It helps. And, and just like Dr. Goswami was saying about some of these yogis, how long they live, because a lot of the portions of what the time that they're living, they're not doing anything. They're being, they're just experiencing life. And we need to do more of that. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, if you can take time to eat, walk around the block at lunchtime, that always helps. 
Uh, I know sometimes you're chained to your workstation and that's just the way it is, or a lot of people call these one o'clock meetings and stuff. But if you can manage your time, try to find a, a break for lunch. It's called lunch break for a reason. That means you break from work. See what you can do about that. And then the last, the last category really is uh, love. You know, we're so, you know, with dating, it's like, how many dates can I have in one night? How many, how many women can I sleep with? How fast can I get her into the bed? Everything's rush, rush, rush. We really sometimes don't, don't decide what we want to do before we embark on dating. What's our goal? What's our objective? What are we doing? Do we want to have a relationship or not? And then if you want to have a relationship, which I think most people ultimately want to do, because it's definitely more fun to connect with one person and really make something grow and really get to know each other. But you have to give it the time. You have to slow down and say, what am I doing? Am I getting to know this person or is this just delete or ghost somebody or whatever? Take the time. You want to get to know a woman if you're a guy? Take some time. You want to go to bed with her? She'll let you know when it's time to go to bed. You don't have to go to bed on the first date. You don't have to go to bed on the third date. There's no rules to this. You might end up going to bed on the first date. It might be six dates. It doesn't matter. What matters is when it's right and taking your time and get to know the individual because that'll make it all the more pleasurable anyhow. So that's kind of my guys, guys, guide of the week. You can read all about it on Twitter, on Facebook, on robertmanny.com. And a lot of my, a lot of my blogs get syndicated. So uh, look for me online. So that's been our show for this evening. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. We're going to be back next Wednesday at 7 PM though. I know everybody listens to the show when they want to listen to the show uh, by subscribing to the podcast, but our special guest next week is one of my favorites, Dr. Kimberly McGeorge. So we're going to be taking phone calls and she's a fascinating guest and a great person. And I look forward to that. And until then, remember what I always say, folks, guys, guys, finish first. <laughs>